Hello and uh, welcome to the, the first pilot edition of, uh, I think we're going to talk, uh, call it Bingley Talks Politics. I like that. Sounds, that sounds, yeah, a, good, yeah. uh, um, sounds a good title. Uh, we may change. Maybe we'll get some suggestions for, from our listeners, from our vast audience <laughs> that we're going to have for this uh, new podcast. So let me just explain the premise behind this. I'm Mr Booth, uh, a teacher obviously at school. Um, of history and indeed politics um, and this is going to be a podcast talking about a variety of issues political relating to government relating to our society um, and there's been more on how maybe you can get involved if you are interested in that by either asking questions or maybe even appearing and alongside me I have Mr Cook Hello, I'm Mr. Cook. I'm an academic mentor, relatively new. I do do history and English, but my background is in politics. I'm currently doing my PhD in it, so you've got two very experienced and interested. And uh, you're a former student of mine. I'm a former Mr. student Cook. of yours yeah. as well. Yeah, so I won't claim to have taught Mr. Cook <laughs> all he knows, but, you know, uh, we do remember um, at lessons together uh, quite a few years ago now, so, yeah. I, yeah. Um, Okay, right, let, let's crack on because um, we, we are going to try and limit these to, to about 30 minutes. We think that's an ideal time. Um, obviously, we don't have any questions. It's the first show. So um, the, the last part, ideally, would be questions from people who've listened and, and want to ask us something. Uh, today's topic, Mr. Cook, wait for it, is elections. Right. So we're going to talk about elections today. Uh, it will lead us, and we will apologise for this now, uh, we, we, we might go off on a few tangents, which I think is quite interesting, perhaps, yeah. um, hopefully. Um, but it's all going to be coming back today to uh, elections um, and uh, what they are, what they mean, are they important, and, and, and so forth. So, Mr Cook, I've got a question for you. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, what's the point in voting? What is the point in voting? Mm. Well, I mean, everyone has different priorities, don't they? Surely voting should be a medium for kind of expressing those priorities to the political class. Oh, I like that, a medium. Yeah, for, yeah I like that. That's the nice um, answer. So over here, we've got proportional representation, right? Not exactly direct democracy, which we'll get on to. Um, yeah, there's a lot of terms that we'll, tr we'll try yeah. and explain. We don't want to make it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, over here, right, we have subjects, technically, um, living in Britain. Um, they don't participate directly in making decisions. They elect people that represent them, right? Um, so I think that's surely the point of it. Trying we to get can't. Are we, are we thinking really, we might briefly discuss alternatives to this, but there is no other way, are we saying, to really take part in a big way in what is hopefully still a democracy. Right. Voting is the main way. Is that what we're... Well, we well things like social media, it's, it dilutes it, doesn't it, a bit, I think. I think a lot of the time, is that the new, you know, the kind of the idea of an agora that the Greeks had this Ooh, okay. where, where people yeah. meet, right? And they're some expressing this, opinions through, right, exactly, through Twitter yeah. and social media and whatever. It kind of messes it up a bit, doesn't it? Because mm. there's various mediums now. But it's still important to vote. still important to vote. We yeah, think it is, don't we? We do anyway. We do. <laughs> we, we, we are for voting, by the way. Um, I'm actually for compulsory voting, I think, although um, there are a few issues uh, perhaps uh, with that. So, look, we have a general election at least once every five years, don't we? Um, and they serve to we elect. And let's, for those of you that maybe are a little bit confused about how these work, um, we elect people, uh, usually from political parties, usually, but not usually. always. 
um, and we vote for them, and they are elected to represent us um, for a constituency, whether that's Shipley, Keithley, you know, various ones in Bradford, Leeds, and the rest of the country. Um, they represent us whether we voted for them or not. They become our Member of Parliament. They are our MP. And that's that's what we do. Now, we you, you, you talked about direct democracy. Right. You mentioned it, didn't yeah. you? And that's where we would, I would, you would, everybody would have a role in maybe a Parliament going mm -hmm. to vote on laws. Well, why can't we do that? Well, I guess the, uh, well, historically for Britain, right? It's not in our traditions, I guess, in that sense. The unwritten constitution we've got, which we don't have a written constitution in Britain, it's completely unwritten, it's based basically on um, you know, prerogatives, best practice kind of thing. Um, we decided a long time ago that we weren't going to have direct democracy. I mean, it's pros and cons, right, to both any system. Um, you know, you could argue the pros to something like we've got at the moment here with the parliament is that you miss out kind of the knee-jerk reactions that you sometimes get with direct democracy, right? So the Brexit vote, you know, one interpretation of it is that it wasn't exactly people uh, making the most informed decisions. Mm. Now, I'm not saying that's actually what happened. I'm saying that's one interpretation, right? Um, and that would be an argument. We don't know enough. Democracy. We don't know enough, do we? We don't know all these. We don't know what's... Yeah. It's people, personally. Um, so, yeah. So our MPs know more. That's what we're saying. Our that's MPs even okay, are isn't it? To know more to be better qualified, better equipped at making decisions on our behalf. That's, that's kind of one of the theories, isn't it, that, yeah. that behind this. Um, I think the other thing on why we can't take part is uh, there's too many of us. Right. Yeah. Uh, ancient Greece, where they used to do this, was smaller and they used to limit it to a certain part of the male population. So there are what? Um, I don't know how many voting adults there are in this country, but it must be 40 million, I'm You'd guessing, something like that, yeah. maybe. Um, and that's a lot, isn't it, for a direct democracy? Yes, yeah, significant yeah. I mean, there are other things you could do, like sort of voting in on a Saturday night, <laughs> or, or, couldn't you? instead of watching, you know, Britain's Got Talent, yeah. um, you could vote for yeah. something. That's, 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 is that a good idea? I don't know. It's very anglicised, isn't it, that? Sitting in front of the TV on a Saturday. Yeah, well, I'm just thinking about the way that people, yeah, yeah. yeah, or put on the internet or something, or, or whatever, that you would then vote for your preferred policy um, that doesn't strike me as necessarily something that's going to happen and maybe a great idea. So what we're saying is, what's the point in voting? Well, uh, it, we take part, don't we, by voting on the people who we elect. And I think this is something that, you know, one of the things that people say about why we don't vote, what's the point in voting? It doesn't affect me. Exactly. I hear that quite a lot. Yeah. You? I hear it all the time, especially from younger people as well. Is that right? It doesn't affect them. It's a perception, isn't it, I guess. It definitely affects, tax rates affect people. Even, you know, everyone's getting, you know, um, there's no way to get around that. But it's the perception, isn't it? It is a strong perception. Yeah. I think lots of things affect people. They might not always realise it, though. Yeah. And they, it's an easy option to say, oh, it doesn't affect me, so, you know, this, the, the system, it's not really for me. I'm again. I think, well, no, I think actually, it might not be in lots of ways, but in a few ways it does affect you. Um, and voting is, is one way that you can maybe have an impact on that or at least express your, you know, your ideas or at least just just take part. Even on the national level as well. Let's take it above tax rates to more kind of 
you know, grand political issue, like foreign policy and stuff. Yeah, These things absolutely. will affect people. Yeah, yeah. And um, especially when, like in 2019, you had a clear kind of contrast between, you, know, you, had, you had two very different candidates between Jeremy Corbyn and Boris Johnson. Arguably, unlike previous elections further back down the line, there was a real choice choice there yeah. with big issues like foreign policy, especially in that, you know, Jeremy Corbyn, Boris Johnson, the contrast yeah. there. Would Jeremy set up the nuclear weapons? Right. Yeah, that was <laughs> something. Yeah. You asked that, didn't you? Um, I think also with thinking about people at, at our school, um, particularly people 16, 17, 18, moving through the sixth form, you know, um, should they pay for their university education? How should that be repaid? What about universities? What about education policy? What about jobs? Mm. Where are the jobs? What about investment in the north that I think has been promised yeah. by the government? I don't know whether that's happening. Um, maybe we discuss that in a later episode. Um, all of those things must affect people. Sure. You have to move away from the area. Something I ask students quite a lot is, you know, can you are you going to live around this area? Are you going to move somewhere else? And that's got to be impacted by what things are available, courses, jobs, opportunities. Surely the government and MPs must have some responsibility there. Well, it's I mean, it's not it's not necessarily a tangent is related, but I don't know if you remember when I was here in you know, when I was studying here 2016, and I was quite a big Corbyn fan. And is it potentially, because young people, 17, 18 year olds, they have all these very fantastic ideas and grand ambitions, right, in a good way. Does it take perhaps the right candidate to come along to change that okay. perception? Yeah. Because I had very grand ambitions. and well, I to did, capture that, yeah, that, that interest. To basically represent you, right? And if you've got all your representatives basically being the same, and all perceived as the same, is that Kind of because Corbyn was Labour were relatively popular with yeah. with younger voters. Didn't win the election. election. He didn't win the election. But he did. He did promise to end tuition fees, didn't he? Yeah. He said he would get rid completely. Is it? Yeah, yeah. I think. I'm not sure whether that. Now. I mean, clearly that would be popular to people. It would directly affect. I think it had the perhaps opposite effect on other voters who thought. Okay, how are you going to pay for it then? And right. does that mean you know? It, so it had a negative effect, didn't it? In, in some ways. Okay, so you know, I, th I think why why vote? Why take part in voting? An interesting way of phrasing this is say, okay, if you don't want to vote, then I suppose that's your is it a democratic choice or perhaps? But then to to run that on to have a consequence of that is well, okay, so you don't want to to have any sort of say. Isn't that a bit like living in the opposite of a democracy? It's a great point. Though. And is that what you want to happen? Essentially, handing over everything to other people to decide. Yeah. Are you comfortable with that? Well, we we personally aren't. Obviously, mm. uh, I don't think I don't think most people would have framed it that way. I think there's a good way about framing it. Perhaps we. Perhaps what we do is 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 come back to some other ways. Um, you can you can get involved in a democracy, perhaps with on this on this episode or, or, or future ones um, because it's, it's quite an interesting one because I don't think it's going to go away, this idea of why why should vote. No. Um, okay, would, I, I, let, let, let's say, I, I think we should have perhaps have compulsory voting. What, what do you think to that? So everybody of an age, and we'll talk about age in a few minutes, um, has to vote. Mr Cook. Views, please. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's do you want you've probably got two camps, right? You've got one camp that wants to maximize the franchise even more so than it already is beyond kind of like the legal 
representation we've now got where women can vote and everyone can vote regardless of property you own regardless all the way down to 18 years old right but it's more about increasing the franchise in a the sense of you and getting them motivated right getting them actually engaged to them because there's tons of people that have the right to vote that do yeah it. yeah yeah and that's why the argument of compulsory voting comes from. And you life. gave a great history lesson of the extension of the vote, by the way. <laughs> very good, very good. All in about 30 the seconds. I learned yeah. from the best. That was, that was very impressive. Um, and you've got another camp, though, that perhaps want to actually limit the franchise a bit more. So the issue, what springs to mind immediately with compulsory voting is you would have a lot of uninformed voters. Yeah, and, and um, I, I, we were talking about this earlier, weren't we? And uh, um, a Year 9 student actually made a great point because we were talking about this with a in a history lesson from 1932, but said, you know, people understand, you force them to vote, but they don't know what they're voting for, and is that what you want? And they don't they don't understand what the policies are or the promises are or the offers are. That's a good point, isn't it, that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, so there's no easy answers for this, really. There isn't. I mean, for the A-level students, um, Kaiser Wilhelm in his Germany, Wilhelm in Germany. They had voting systems there, right? But it was very restricted franchise to the point they weren't actually trying to increase it whatsoever. And I think the argument there, obviously, about then the assumptions were they're not educated enough to have the vote. Yeah. We also want to centralise decision-making in a very neat interest group. Um, compulsory voting is arguably the other way, right? You're trying to maximise it and say everyone should engage. And I'm sure the end point for you is that we get more... Um, politically conscious and aware citizens, right? And that can only be beneficial, probably. That's, yeah, and that's it's quite a positive thing to say, okay, people don't understand. I don't think it stops. I certainly speak to people, many of my neighbours, I would uh, say. I won't, I, won't, I won't name them. Um, <laughs> but they, they don't seem to understand some of the things, I would argue, and they voted or continued to vote in last elections and, and expressed their ideas. It doesn't stop certain people mm. not being particularly knowledgeable um, the voters are never wrong, either, so, you know, whether they understand the law or not. So that that's important. But the point is still good because then you could be voting for something that you're either confused, you could be misled, you could be wrong, and, and so forth. Okay, so how do you get around this? Better political education, better communication. Right, okay, so here's a thought experiment for you. Um, um, one of my favourite authors, political scientist, David Runciman, suggested, I think he's at the University of Cambridge, uh, written some really good books recently. He suggested, I don't know whether he actually firmly believes this, but he suggests, okay, lower the voting age, but wait for it, not just to 16, to five. Five-year-olds and above can vote. And I think he's done it with the idea of, therefore, families, how do you get better political communication, right? You can talk about schools doing more, but then you tread in the line of, you know, are, they, are you influencing people in a particular way? Okay, all right. So schools maybe have a role, but, you know, it's a difficult one. And therefore, right, who, how's, who's going to do the education? Families. So families talking about politics, as you said, becoming more conscious and aware of it. And therefore, the standards of political understanding will be, be raised. Informed decisions will be... Will be... Will be... Um, will be increased. So I suppose the um, the idea is, you know, should five-year-olds and above vote? What, what, what me to cook views? Huh. Um, obviously not, really. <laughs> but I do think it's an interesting, 
like you said, yeah, I don't think I think it's particularly yeah. plausible. This is it. I don't know. I mean, but has it? Can you, I can picture it though, having a society where kids go through the rigmarole kind of right of the voting process, and they've got to deliberate in their heads and discuss with the families, and then they get down to it and they don't actually vote. Obviously, in a or at least that vote doesn't get taken and actually applied to any sort of. There's another thing as well that families might just use their kids' vote as an extension of their own beliefs, yeah. as opposed to fostering kind of actual critical. And how independent is right a young child going to be in when they actually? Yeah, but getting them used to it at a young age, I think, can only be beneficial unless you don't want to live in a democracy. But if we all do want to and take that as a given, then yeah, I think it would be very useful. So we've got them. benefits, but it's not really, it's not a go of this, is it really? We think. Probably not real. Okay, let's take something possibly more realistic. 16 and above. Lower the voting age to 16. Um, it's interesting people's reaction to this one. Whether they, you know, they quite tend to be quite instinctive. No, you can't do that. Um, I think I was, I think I used to be a little bit like that. I mean, I'm a lot more open-minded now because it's not so much... That sort of thing about you know sixteen year old it sounds too young to vote, but then when you look at the arguments, I'm not convinced personally by some of the arguments of saying you know that they shouldn't vote. So I mean, what what do you think on the main pros and cons of this idea then that that you know you you could lower the voting age to sixteen because it, it it's not um, inconceivable it could happen. I think it's more likely than not, arguably at this point, especially I think the general kind of incentives are there for political parties maybe not for the Tory party necessarily mm. I think they're probably entrenched against it at this point but every other opposition party you can probably see the incentives there just from a purely electoral They don't push it that much though do they? Maybe because they're worried about like you said the instinctual kind of you do hear it and you do think another lowering of the voting age I think it's not, not a it's not going to get any momentum and, um, yeah. but I mean the, it was funny because if you go back to when Stanley Baldwin in the 20s when we first had the representation of the People Act, right? Big fans of Stanley Baldwin. Big fans of Stanley Baldwin, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, um, he wanted it at 25. He said to the, the oh, bar party at the time, he was like, I want it at 25. And the, everyone said, well, 21, I, guess, I, didn't, I, I don't know the exact debates, but they, they ended up going with 21, basically. Yeah, so there was a potential point where we would have basically had the voting age just stuck at this high age bracket for a while, potentially. Um, pros and cons, I guess. Pros, right? You, again, you're enlarging the franchise. It can only getting people to think in this way can only be beneficial, not to themselves but to everyone else. Right, having this input. Cons, I guess people would go for the kind of bog standard. You know, kids are. Well, people uh, say, don't they? What do sixteen-year-olds know? Exactly. My instant retort to that is probably a lot more than you think. Okay, and I have met plenty of forty-year-olds, fifty-year-olds, sixty-year-olds. Um, who don't come across as knowing all that much yeah. more or actually, to be honest, know an awful lot less. Mm -hmm. I think people have got quite a negative view of 16-year-olds generally, which I think is quite unfair. I might be a little bit biased in that because I teach a lot of them and tend to think quite a lot of them. However, if I'm just thinking, right, okay, is the argument strong that they don't know enough? I don't think it's a great argument personally. I think the other thing on like, okay, but they're in education, so they're not, so they can't do other certain things, you know, like, you know, and there's one about fighting the army, isn't it? And they can join the army at a certain age, they're not allowed to fight until they're 18, is it? I don't know. Um, paying tax, these other, these other rules that we, we, we have, this idea of you are an adult at 18, 
But that that is essentially, is it relatively arbitrary that eighteen is the the number? Well, I think you were getting at something there quite important, which is that is it so much? Are we are we bothered about the age specifically, or is it the knowledge? Is it the understanding of the right. issues? Right. Okay. So, so sorry to leap in. No, no, completely yeah, yeah. fine. So, so I've got like... another suggestion for you. I've got quite a few suggestions. Yeah, yeah. You'll be surprised. Right. So n- knowledge is important. Yeah. Okay. So there's a couple of things on this. Give people who know more more votes. Mm. Which have they tried that in other? Time periods before it was floated by uh, John Stuart Mill actually at oh, uh, yeah. 19th century. Yeah, he he. I I've suggested it as a possibility in my classes, and then say obviously so I get five votes. <laughs> um, I don't know how you'd decide on this whether you'd have to pass a test or whether it's to do with qualifications or or so forth. Clearly, I'm not quite sure. Also, how yeah. you know this is probably never going to happen, is it? Not in the foreseeable future. But the idea that you would those that are deemed to know more, their votes count for more. I mean, is, th- is there something there? I've got a friend, funnily enough, who takes the same approach, but from a different kind of starting point. So he's a big fan. He's, he's, he's in the army. He's a big fan of a show called Starship Troopers from the 70s. Okay. Yeah. I'm not familiar with it. Nor am I, really, but I'm yeah. aware of it to the extent that in the show, only people that have actually served militarily get the vote. Yeah, okay. Like in National yeah. Service yeah, and yeah, things yeah. like that. Yeah. So he's... Not from a knowledge perspective, but from a perspective for him of you've done X for this country, therefore you get Y. Y being the verb, if you know what I mean. Um, I think, like you said, I guess the only issue with the intelligence, the kind of giving more informed people more votes is like you said, what is the actual in, in, indices that we use? What's the criteria? Yeah, how, how, it, it just sounds controversial to me and it sounds like it would open up conflict. I mean, if you were, I don't know, Depends on how many votes you're willing to give. So five, four, three, two, one, zero. You're not clever enough <laughs> yeah, to vote. Right. I mean, really? Um, you, you know, once you've decided on that, which you're right, is tricky. You then have conflict, don't you? You have knee-jerk reactions. I mean, can well. you become? Can you get more votes by saying no? I've, I've read a few books now, and therefore I've, I, I deserve two votes and not the one I've was given. It just sounds. Um, I think the principle behind it is quite interesting because what you're trying to do is get better representation, better government, better decision making. Not quite sure it's going to work. Other alternative, right? Go back to the sort of young, um, maybe trying to enthuse, encourage young people a little bit more. Young people's votes count for more. And as you get older, your vote counts less. I know my granddad won't like that. Yeah, I don't think the, the grey vote, as they are commonly referred yes. to, if you're, if you're not aware, is. I don't know what's, what's the cut off for your grey vote. I mean, I'm grey, but I don't. I hope I'm not a grey voter. I was grey when I did. Um, I don't think I'm a grey voter. Um, I don't know, 16 above, should we say? Or the, ret- yeah. the retired vote, yeah, perhaps. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the retired vote is the grey vote, perhaps. So the older voters, and there are quite a lot of them. The point being this um, is, is, okay. Demography, our country has more older people now. They have tended to vote most of their lives. You know, the turnout was higher in the 60s, 70s and so forth. They get what they want more. So they vote Conservative, they vote Labour. They've seen their vote translate into government more. Contrast that with young people now. They get frustrated about the voting because their their decisions don't always translate into, oh, our guys are, are, are the people we've voted for are, are getting into power. So, also, additional reason to change would be, well, you know, 
if you're 80, you know, you're, vote, you're voting for something that you may not really benefit or have much involvement in contrasted if you're 20 on average. This is quite a controversial thing mm. as I'm saying it. I'm thinking, you know, this is kind of a oh, well, standing up and say this, yeah. saying this, but a young person has more at stake and therefore their vote should count more. I mean, what, what do you think of that as an idea? Is, is... I think you picked up on something because my granddad regularly says when he watches the news, oh, I don't have to deal with this. It's you lot that are dealing with this. I don't have to deal with bloody Ukraine and Brexit and all this other stuff. It, you know, it's, it's your generation. Um, so he's already aware of it. Um, or having said that, though, if I did propose this idea to him, I know he would immediately uh, dislike it. People wouldn't like it, would they? Because, <laughs> I mean, again, how do you decide? Um, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, would would you then see a fall off in, you know, if you enforced it, would older people vote less? Uh, would you have a protest from an older protest, which is a rare thing, isn't it? You know, it's usually the young who would be involved in more protests. It, it, it's just an interesting thing, isn't it? Because I can't understand... The, the younger generations are maligned, they're criticised often, and certainly in the media, it seems. Um, but I thought that was quite an interesting idea that actually, you know, if, if you can't see a result from your voting, mm. then the logical conclusion is, what's the point in voting? Exactly. And I think, um, well, I guess that what, it gets to the point, what is, what, what, why are we a democracy, I suppose? Is it to... Because this solution with the young people having greater share, their votes worth more, basically, is is it prioritising one interest group over another? Mm. And is democracy meant to be the kind of reconciliation of these demands? Once you start taking, saying X vote is worth more or less than Y vote. Yeah, no, that's a great point. It would still be a democracy, but it's why why are we a democracy, I guess, is the point. Are we here? Yeah, there's, you've got to have a sense of... You know, sort of the distribution, isn't it, of of of, of interests, and then the aims and policies that, that that come from that. But the yeah, you can't just go for a certain. Has age become an interest group? Certain you know, age groups become interest groups, and just competing there, and that that is creating quite a few problems, isn't it? And you need to go beyond that, really, don't you? Well, it's one thing that I think is un the main reason I am a Democrat and believe in democracy is because the peaceful transfer of power that it brings about has probably saved this country more bloodshed than you look at it relative to the continent, yeah. which had an experience in the 20th century of not democracy and the amount of tribulations and turmoil they went through in trying to get, figure out what do the people want. But it's not a bad, I mean, it might sound basic, but, you know, fewer people dying in the cause is yeah. not a bad reason, is it? No, it's all, not a bad reason. Um, and, you know, Britain, there's, I mean, we had our, uh, you know, you had Mosley and the black shirts, and you had the you know the Communist Party of Great Britain, was it called? Um, but none of them really took off. The same well, we've not, you know, and it might be a theme. I think we probably can pick up on this because something we, we talk about quite a lot, and you know, extremism, far right, far left, you know, whatever we're looking at, never really sort of taken hold in the UK to the extent it had in other countries. No. Even though many people think it's a big problem, and this is the thing: it, it is democracy's job. Every vote counting the same is that can like hold the ring almost between yeah. these groups and basically say everyone, no one can complain if they lose, kind of, if you know what I mean. Yeah, losing is quite a really important thing. I think it's come to the fore since Trump and mm. um, the storming of the, yeah. the Capitol building and just, you know, essentially being a bad loser is a problem for democracy. It is. You, 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 you know, 
you, I mean, really, it's a sort of in-out, isn't it? You know, whatever side you vote for, you have to accept the other side's going to win, otherwise you're not really living in a democracy. Mm. Got, I mean, democracy seems to come back to, and voting comes back to these quite simple things. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you're going to have to have the other side winning. I think I think what I was suggesting, you know, for, for young people was, you know, that was a an ongoing thing. And they never felt, but like, they might never feel their side wins. I mean, um, which sort of brings us neatly to the, the idea of um, a referendum, because, um, um, you know, that would get your attention, but we had one of those, I think it was 2016, <laughs> didn't we? People talk about it sometimes, don't they? It's okay, a referendum. I remember what it was um, about. We've actually had more than people re- remember, really. Yeah. We've had one on the voting system as well, relatively recently. Obviously, there was a Scottish one as well. But, uh, that was 16. You could vote. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, you could vote 16 and over. Um, um, but, but, okay, so if you're, if we're saying, you know, about voting, about whether it's worthwhile, um, you know, if you're not, under, you're not clear what a referendum is, it's, 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 it's on one issue usually, isn't it? And it's framed around a question and it's usually for yes, no, isn't it, usually? Um, so it's simpler than an election because it's a sort of, in, in one sense, it's a, it's a key question. And the one in 2016 was, um, you know, I can't actually remember the question, to be honest. But it was remain or leave, wasn't it? You know, Essentially, yeah. yeah. So you want to leave yeah. the EU, do you want to stay in the, the EU? Um, and so it's quite a simple choice, not the other, isn't it? And, 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 you know, that encourages people to vote. You got a high turnout, didn't it? You 70 did, yeah. percent which is about 10% higher than usually that we get in the general yeah, election. Yeah. Um, so in terms of voter turnout, that was great. Um, but, but there are issues uh, with that. And it's back to the age thing, isn't it? Because, because... On average, older people voted leave, and the eighteen to thirty or whatever bracket yeah. they, they came under voted. I think was it seventy five, twenty five remain. It was high. It was definitely high. But but one of the downsides of uh, referendums. Ref, are you a referendums or a referenda person? Oh, I don't even know what the technique. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I was a referenda. <laughs> Someone told me I should say referendum. Right. Okay. So I don't know. Can you? Who maybe? told you? Oh, I can't remember. Authority figure. Yeah, yeah they, they must have had some sort of yeah. I listened to them. <laughs> yeah. my mother. Yeah, my mother told me. You know, you should say referendums. So I do now. Anyway, referendums. Uh, the problem is they sort of, they, they, they freeze it in time, don't they? The thing about elections is if you, if you don't like another basic thing, if you don't like your current government, you can vote for the other side yeah. in five, five years' time or whatever, depending on the country you're living in. A referendum, that's forever, isn't it? Unless someone changes it. So, you know, the people, I mean, how many people who voted leave, this is quite a macabre comment, this, how many people who voted leave six years ago have now died? Someone did do that. And should we, should we, should we, should we remove their votes? Someone has done the maths on that. And they've got, I I will try and find a few after this is finished where this person has created an interactive thing that shows you the slow dropping off of the leave vote. Also quite macabre, but <laughs> well, it is. But it, but, it, but it does have that point, doesn't it? About that, you know, if if younger people voted seventy five, twenty five, even seventy thirty is a pretty, yeah, it's a pretty clear majority, isn't it, for remaining? And if we run that on and say most years that have then turned eighteen since then, so that's quite a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, twenty sixteen was six years, so they would be roughly twenty four now. Um, Me, there you go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, so those people younger than you, but 18, would they be 70, 30 remain? And if so, you've got 
and remain. I'm, I'm not, it sounds like I'm doing a big thing for you know the remain cause here. I'm, I'm, no, I'm certainly not trying yeah. to do that. I'm just talking about the principle of voting in elections, referendums, and uh, democracy. Is the sense that it's 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 it was called, and they're often called a great democratic exercise. They are. To me, they seem full of holes. I'm not a fan, really, of them. Uh, I think I used to be when I was younger, but I, I'm not sure they 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 work. And the, the two things that, that, that strike me um, are, are, are that, that they're a moment in time. And then, have you heard, Mr Cook, of Nigel Farage? I don't think I have. <laughs> he, he, he said it was a great exercise in democracy. And it's an easy argument to make because of so many people coming out and, uh, you know. But then that, that goes into the will of the people. Mm. And this really unnerves me, this. This takes me in... I break out in a cold sweat sometimes when I hear this. Yeah, it's hard to explain this to people, but there you go. The will of the people. So it's okay. Let me throw a few other things out here. Tyranny of the majority. Mm. So because more people want something to happen, that's a good idea. That 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 can be concerning. Um, you were then saying everybody wants something. It's like okay, yeah, a majority did decide, but then everybody wants it. And with something that's actually quite complicated, like leaving the EU was, how did that reflect in the arrangements to leave the European Union? If it was, what, 51.7 pages? Yeah, yeah. 52.48, well, was wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. roughly. Um, that, I mean, some people say that's a big majority. Some people say it's quite close. Depends you ask, don't There's a background bell. Yeah, we are in school. And... Um, does that then should that influence the nature of the I'm not sure it did the negotiations. arrangements negotiations to, to leave the, the, the referendums seem to bring a whole lot of issues that yes. I'm not sure helps what what what, what are you what, what are your thoughts yeah I apparently I mean this is uh, apparently it was called originally just to scare the EU. It, depending on who you ask, that is. Yeah. Um, there are people, I mean, if you read someone like Dominic Cummings, his blog, uh, which is a fairly good record when it comes to uh, internal discussions in the Leave camp yeah. at the time, um, him and Boris and Gove were fully um, intending for it just to be a scare exercise. Well, they didn't expect to win. They didn't expect did they? to win, even. If you look I, think, at... I think that particular referendum got a life of its own. Absolutely. I think it came to embody so many other issues. I think, I think well, I know that... Um, George Osborne, who was Chancellor at the time, advised the Prime Minister, who was David Cameron, not to hold it. This is the a... things are really, and because he said you can't control, you can't control yeah. the voices in a re referendum, and it's very you've got to be very careful. Now, was Osborne trying to deny democracy? Not sure he was. I think he was perhaps doing the the other thing to say, you know, um, I think there's a really good quote: "Referendums are the tools of despots and dictators." Um, I think the Nazis held some referendums almost certain. Mm, they did didn't they um, i think other autocrats dictators despots so people who were essentially not democratic leaders have held them because they're easy ways to prove that you're right that what you're doing is popular legitimizing exercise, yeah exactly what i refer to them as kind of these especially when you know you've got the gung-ho support of a majority of your population like hitler did for a, for a period in the 1930s um he knew that he'd get a sizable result, and if it didn't, adopt the result anyway. Yeah, you know, um, they are a great way for people like that to legitimise. You can frame the question, can't you? Exactly. It's, it's yeah. a sort of lead, leading question, which if you want a big majority, and then you are therefore saying that it's democratic. 
and you're thinking, mm, really, is it? Yeah, they seem to. I mean, obviously, the, the flip side of, of, of referendums is that, you know, people can say it's popular democracy in action. And if you know, what's wrong with people say. getting, yeah, what's wrong with people? And don't, you know, don't patronise people. Don't say they don't understand. This was one of the arguments that came out. You know, we're always going to get people who know more, aren't we? But you can't yeah. patronise people and say they don't understand. They're entitled to the vote. Everyone's entitled to, to join in. And therefore, you know, that's what happens. I mean, my main issue with referendums is that they're not, I mean, constitutionally, they're not paperish in the sense no, that, we, you know, we live in a parliamentary democracy. I think I said proportional representation at the beginning. We've usually had them, haven't we, about constitutional issues? Yes, right. So you looked at all the ones in recent history, yeah. our recent history, the EEC one back in the 1970s, that was basically about the EU, yeah. referred to at the time as the European community. And then you add, like you said, the voting system, the, um, the, the evolution. Uh, under Labour, yeah. yeah, they're all about how the country operates and how the country's going to change. So essentially, yeah. what we'll call constitutional issues, how the system works. Yeah. So a lot of my a lot of my friends who are uh, who are Brexiteers, their argument with the referendum was that, well, you know, referendums should only be once in a generation is what they use. That's the term they use. And you hear it with Scottish referendums as well, don't you? Once in a generation kind of a thing. So. Um, one of my friends, for instance, the way he frames it is, you know, we had, I think, was it 1975? 75 was the, the East, uh, first yeah. EEC. Yeah, the, yeah. So, yeah that, that was actually two to one, really. Yeah, and that was actually, looking back at the coverage, it seemed to be, um, um, you know, it was aggressive, but it wasn't vitriolic. It's weird, though. No, it, I don't think, well, it wasn't. Weird, though, because a lot of the Labour cabinet argued it coming Absolutely, out. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Wilson was Prime Minister at the time. A lot of the Labour cabinet argued... Thatcher was leader of the opposition, and she was pro. She was strongly to yeah. stay in. Yeah, and she got um, eased out and everything. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So it, it's, it's strange, isn't it, how it then changes? Because essentially, the Conservative cabinet were, let's say, pretty split. Yeah, and you had some big hitters like, obviously, Boris Johnson, eventually Michael Gove, yeah, come out and and, and be firm, and a few, a few others actually, um, to be firmly leave. So it's weird how that sort of changes. Yeah, that is it? most of Labour. Front bench were, were remain. There were other Labour MPs who were on the, yeah. the Leave side, but not. I don't think any any front benchers really. Well, I think they were Corbyn, very quiet. They were very quiet. If they were, yeah. Well, I think Corbyn was kind of a hangover, right, from that seventies Labour in the sense. Yeah, he was the kind of the Ben Ali. Corbyn kind of. was what well, I remember hearing Tony Benn, and I went <laughs> to go and um, listen to Tony Benn. Tony Benn, for those of the uninitiated, was a long-serving MP politician. Um, Pretty to the left of the Labour Party, mm. but a really interesting speaker. Really interesting. He used to talk about sovereignty. Yeah, he actually. did, didn't he? Yeah. He used the argument about sovereignty, i.e. our country should make more of its own decisions, which was actually used by some in, the, was, yeah, yeah. in, in, the, in the 2016 debate up to the referendum. Uh, he used the argument, and indeed the left of the Labour Party used to use that. Michael Foote, mm. Tony Benn, those, those sorts of figures um, were, were, were strongly in that camp. But I don't think he ever changed. On that, no, I and I think Paul, Jeremy Corbyn was a, a slightly diluted figure on that. So I think he was uncomfortable. He was fully believed in Europe no. at all, did he? He was aware that he had other um, sects within Labour, right? Yeah. And that the bulk of the youth were were men, so yeah. it would be like electoral suicide. This really, it shows how weird, it's strange, you know. Even though he was popular mm. with many young, that idea of what the Labour left used to talk about and sovereignty didn't really sort of come across, did it? That was seen as perhaps a little Britain yes. stroke, you know, sort of conservative perhaps argument to say, you know, protect the nation. Maybe it was seen as that, as, as more of a sort of more cross-party issue, which it has been in the past. That's quite interesting, really. Absolutely. Um, 
we, we, we're not doing a great job for selling ha. referendums here, are we? Yeah, I was going to say another another point with referendums. I agree with you. I don't think they're great, personally. And I think if you looked at the amount of other issues that occurred with the EU in that, I mean, again, Dominic Cummings, you read his blog, he talks about how he actively used issues like the NHS and immigration to kind of move the terrain of the debate on yeah. the areas that were nice more, phrase, yeah. more preferable to him, right? That he could operate with them a bit better. So, you know, you take it onto the NHS, well, then it's all about funding and you can attack the Tory government, David Cameron and George Osborne for not funding it well enough. Mm. And hey, we'll leave the EU. I mean, he was, he was, I think, pretty skillful. Oh, is it, running the, it's a great campaign. campaign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's absurdly good campaign. And I think the referendum obviously um, highlighted, and we'll maybe talk about this in a different a different um, episode, you know, how people campaign mm. and how people persuade people to yeah. vote now because, you know, use of social media it's completely uh, different, is, yeah. is really important, isn't it? And the, the door knocking and the leaflets mm. and all of that, I think still has a role. Yeah. But when you're attack, uh, trying to attract certain groups of people, it, it, it's it's really influential, isn't it? You need and, the, and I think they did that pretty well. Yeah, you need like with the knocking, the leafleting, pamphleting. You need that ground base in elections in Britain. You do need that constituency level engagement. You if you don't do it, then it's an issue. Isn't yeah, it? and the other party is going to do it. Yeah, and Labour's that's one thing Labour's good at. They've got a lot of people on the ground. Yeah, to get good sort of ground yeah. army or whatever. Yeah, but the trouble. Yeah, yeah, something like that, isn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah. So okay, I think one thing. But one more thing to talk about before we, we, we wrap up today, but one thing I'll, I'll say about referendums is if they are such a great democratic exercise, right, which is the argument that is used, why don't we have more often? <laughs> it's such a good thing. But then you're going to get silly, aren't you? Well, you're Swiss, back to Saturday night voting, aren't you? Yeah, the Swiss do it. Though, though, but the Swiss I like, do like a referendum. It's why I think part of it's got to be. Some some part of it is to do with the traditions and the institutions yeah. and the countries kind of whatever country you take has kind of matured over time. So Britain, I don't think it's a country for referendums. No, I don't, think, I don't think we are. The I just think it's an interesting one, isn't it? If if one of the main defences is they are such a great exercise, and, and again a logical conclusion is well hold more hold more of them. But then obviously people, I think, are, are maybe nervous. I mean, I don't know what the result would be if we voted again on the European Union. It'd be interesting. It would, it, yeah, I don't think we'd be able to have a civilised debate about it, actually. I'm not sure it would end well because, it, 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 you know, some problems might occur. But I think people are maybe, they want to fix it in time, perhaps, and, and, and not to allow that result to change. So the last thing, and we can keep this short if, if, if you want, and we maybe invite people to, you know, if you have listened and enjoyed it, I hope you have, um, it's your sort of thing or some of it is to maybe give your opinion or ask us a question about anything we've discussed anything you'd like to raise about about our country politics other countries government society all those issues is okay so it's really been a lot about voting and taking part what about a good idea in a book i read a couple of years ago was back to and it's a bit of an older idea is back to like taking part by drawing lots ah. so um you would you would be a bit more active, so you wouldn't necessarily vote as much. Whether we have elections at all or not in this system, I don't know. But a bit like the jury system where you're chosen, you would essentially draw a lot, which is luck. So by luck, a certain pe- amount of people would get to work in, let's say, a citizen assembly, where they would actually then talk about, and okay, if they have a job, they'd be given paid leave, perhaps. I don't know all the all the ways this would work, and many people will say there's problems in this system. I suppose the point being is, how do you get people involved in making decisions that affect them? 
And as the citizen assemblies would decide things maybe locally, maybe nationally, maybe contribute. Ireland did this. I was going to say, yeah. Ireland did this quite successfully. And that has led to what used to be a fairly traditional Catholic-dominated country actually being changing its abortion laws yeah. and changing its mind on gay marriage, which 30 years ago you would have said Ireland would never do, mm. but actually came from the people. Attitudes had changed. So it's back to, like, you know, I suppose a criticism of our system is do MPs understand us? Yeah. Well, let us decide on things. I don't know, what, what's your hunch there? That's a great case study to back your point up for them. Because I didn't really consider the fact that, yeah, I mean, Ireland is a massively Catholic nation and of all the countries in Europe, it might be the last you expect. It probably would have changed without these people right. saying, no, we, we think it's a great idea. Yeah, because um, I do, yeah, you'd have to, you have to account for all these different people, don't you, then? How, how much support you'd get for it is another question. I, sense. I think it's one of those things when you raise, and I, as I was speaking, it, it sounded like I'm saying like a local assembly, northern assembly. I don't think I was. No, no. I was saying like a series of sort of, Citizen assemblies, kind of issues. Yeah, and and and, and you would meet. And it's a huge culture change. Yes, yeah, it would be. And I don't know whether people can envisage. I don't know whether I can necessarily envisage how they would work practically. But to me, those sort of problems can always be ironed out. Mm. And you've got to keep in mind what you're trying to do this for. And as, as I say, it would be people making decisions that affect them and having a stake in them. I definitely think there are some issues that that's yeah, pretty well suited for. What issues specifically? You know, people have different opinions. Well, let's come up with some. Well, I don't know. Thorny issues, right? That seems... I mean, if the Irish managed to use it to get over things like abortion... Big issues, yeah, yeah. You'd expect it to, you know... I can't think of anything in Britain, but... You know, not even I, I think what used to be an issue wouldn't be so much now. Capital punishment. Interesting. Because yeah. I think capital punishment would have been a great example of where if we'd have a referendum on it, in the 80s, say 1980s, maybe in the 1990s, mm. you'd have got a majority, yes, but the government would never do it because they thought it was a bad idea. I and, then you, and then you, look at the trajectory of capital punishment, a lot, certainly demo democracies, fewer democracies, even America, they don't execute that many people anymore. No, yeah, it's got down, isn't it? Um, I think you, I, this is something I say to my mates actually about the issue with referendums. Because I think you could actually win in this day and age a referendum on the death penalty in Britain. If you, 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 to. you could, you might be able to. It was just a sort of hunch. I think attitudes have changed. So, you know, I think they, they have might have sort of softened a little bit. I don't know. I'm completely wrong on this. You might, you might find out. I think that actually it's the other way. You you've got to figure out how to mobilise that. Yeah, support, yeah, you, yeah. You referendums do. are perfect for people. I'm not saying Dominic Cummings is. I'm not quoting him to death penalty supporters, but in terms of campaigning methods, someone like that would, I think, be able to whip up people into it. Because it's an easy argument. Do you, are you for the criminals or against them? Are you for paying for yeah. rapists? But then we're going to get back to this political education thing and how to yeah. get better. I think the Citizen Assembly, or if that's the right committee, it, it sounds like a boring word. Assemblies are Assemblies better. Good, I'd like to be a member of an assembly, yeah. Mr Cook. You know, it sounds, it sounds great. Would you get better education? Would ordinary people have more time be better educated they then would have a responsibility to to communicate that and would you have more integrity honesty in the system because what's the incentive to to, to lie um lying mm. is a um, you know it's a it's a strong word but it, it happens doesn't it yeah and we see so, it more we see it more i don't think we're saying anything massively controversial there and so therefore it's like okay an alternative to voting is 
to have these things. I, I, I think it's an interesting thing. Maybe we'll pick up on it next time. Is to like say, okay, you know, there are op there are ways you, you you could run a democracy differently, where voting would either not play a part or it would be different. Um, and many people talk about like a crisis of representative democracy. We need some solutions. So okay, maybe that's a way to end. Yeah, today. that seems like good. So. What what are possible solutions? Maybe we do a bit of thinking on it. 